0: Of the world, top of the, top of Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Wonder Women podcast, the main podcast for the business magazine for women.com. In our podcast, just like in our magazine, we're focused on promoting women's voices in business, technology, STEM, politics, sports, arts and culture. My name is Monica Tohi. I'm the founder of the business magazine for women.com. And today I'm just helping with the intro. Today is a very special podcast because our most awesome managing editor at the Business Magazine for Women, Adrienne Honard, is going to be hosting and interviewing our guest and Wonder Woman of today, Melissa Halfon of Vidco.com. Melissa is teaching children how to code, giving them the skills that they need to create a life for themselves in a world where we don't even know what kind of jobs they could possibly have. It's a platform that's built by female developers with a fresh and approachable interface with over 10 million coding projects, and that's in over 125 countries to date. Those are some staggering numbers. We hope you go check out vidcode.com right now, or actually better yet, wait until the end of the podcast, then go check out vidcode.com. At this point, we're pretty sure that knowing how to code is going to be very helpful. Beyond that, the future at this rate of change that we're going at is looking less and less clear, but Melissa has a way for the next generation to get a grip on that and learn coding now so that they can grow with technology and evolve side by side. We never know what the future could bring, but learning how to code seems like a very sure bet. So let's get to that conversation with Melissa and Adrian. Enjoy.
1: Just starting off, my name is Adrienne Henard. I am the managing editor for the Business Magazine for Women, and this is our podcast. We focus on promoting women who are in business, tech, STEM, politics, sports, arts, you name it. We cover it. Um, Like I said, I am the managing editor for the Business Magazine for Women, and this is Melissa Alphon. She is the co founder of VidCode, which I'm not going to explain. I'm going to let her explain it for you. but first, we always start off our podcast talking about you as a person. So, who is
2: Melissa Halfon? Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adrienne, for having me. I'm very excited to be talking to you today. Um, and you know, I guess, I guess I'm I'm a few things. It's a hard question now that you're asking me. But um, you know, I guess first and foremost. My uh, my past today has led me me to being an entrepreneur, um. So I guess that's one thing that I am. Um, But I'm also known to the world as a math nerd, which is something I'm most proud of, and also a software developer, which is something I've spent a lot of a lot of the last couple of years doing. Um, and those are just some of my kind of professional hats. But I am also a um a former gymnast, something that is many years in the past. (laughs) And a number of other things. So hopefully that's, uh, that's something to start us off with.
1: That's, that's great. Um,
2: how do math
1: and gymnastics uh, work together?
2: Oh, well, there's all kinds of physics involved in both. But it's funny <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I have this memory of being in middle school. And I, I applied to this this, like, specialized middle school in Brooklyn. That's, like, such a ridiculous thing that there's even such a thing as a specialized middle school. And you needed talents, and my two talents literally were math and gymnastics. So, like, my application involved like going into a room and taking a little, you know, math assessment quiz and also tumbling. It was really funny. <laughs> well, you still got those skills, and
1: I'm sure you could do a handstand even if it's been forever. It, it,
2: it's still I something up my sleeves. I will say it's my go-to party trick. <laughs> well. Let's uh, get on with the
1: not-so-fun stuff. Or, well, VidCode's fun, but, you know, gymnastics is a little more fun, let's be honest. Totally. VidCode, what is it, and who is awesome. it for? Fun?
2: Awesome, yeah, no, happy happy to share. So, VidCode is um, is the company that I've been working on for the last four-plus years. Um, it was a company that I founded with uh, two other ladies back in uh, January of 2014, actually, so it's it's been some time. Um, and basically what BitCode is, is it's an education technology um, uh, company. And what we do is we provide coding uh, software and curriculum uh, for K-12 schools. So, you know, we're really kind of providing schools with the tools to teach students computer science and programming and all these really important digital skills. And so we work, you know, we work with students in, Basically, like fourth grade up through twelfth grade, like a whole bunch of um, a whole bunch of age age groups. Um, but a lot of our kind of founding mission and our continuing mission today is to engage more young women in, in computer programming specifically. So that was kind of like our initial idea was like, how can we engage more girls in computer programming? Obviously, they're really underrepresented in terms of the tech workforce. So that that was kind of the problem that we were aiming to solve with Bitcode mm-hmm. um, back in twenty fourteen, and we've since expanded to work with students of all backgrounds. Um, but still really have that uh, kind of underlying foundational mission to engage more girls, especially um, in the field of of computer science.
1: How did the idea for VidCode come about?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really just kind of a sort of merging of (laughs) passions, I would say, of myself and my uh, my two teammates. So um, we're, we're all kind of ladies in STEM, if you will. Um as I mentioned, math was kind of my my first first and foremost passion. Um I was a math major in college, and I always just really enjoyed math. and so um, it was definitely the M in STEM that like I most closely identified with. So I feel like through that, but also through my experience working in software development later on in my career, um, I always kind of had this recognition of you know, being one of few women on a team or, you know, maybe just feeling underrepresented as far as being a woman in STEM. So that's kind of where I came from. And then my two business partners um, are are kind of in different fields. They come from um, kind of the fine arts and design, respectively. But we all kind of found our own pathway towards programming. And we're all kind of like we wish there were more women doing this. So that was, it was kind of that merged um, you know, passion to engage more girls. Again, especially knowing that you don't have to be great at math or, you know, great at design or art. It was, it was kind of – you can come from any background and sort of find your, um, your passion and alignment with coding. So we really wanted to bring that to, you know, this generation of girls. Uh,
1: was your – because you had mentioned before that it's, like, from 4th to, tw- to 12th grade. So there is a definite emphasis on middle school girls absolutely um, what is it because a lot of these programs that i see are really targeted toward high school mm. you seeing um the and getting girls started even earlier at 12 13 versus 16 17.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah no i mean a lot of our i, I mean first the first thing is like whether you choose to engage girls in coding in in high school or in middle school or when, when they're five years old, because all of those are possible and they're all happening, um, thumbs up to you because it's obviously all with that same intention. Yeah. I will say that our our kind of early research, um, you know, when we were starting the company and just kind of prototyping and interviewing girls, it was really about like, you know, if you if you kind of miss the boat for a girl, there's like there's a potential that you know, let's say as a senior in high school, she's kind of already, according to the research, of course there's like anecdotal evidence to say otherwise, but for the most part we kind of see that at a certain point, maybe a later in high school sort of age, you know, a girl is likely to sort of already have made a choice about whether or not she sort of identifies with programming or computer science or even math. And so it was our research that led us to think, you know, we really want to make an impression earlier on. And have that exposure be at those middle school levels because we also know that like when girls are in like ages five through ten they're actually pretty engaged in math um and those fields and then there's this kind of like terrible drop off that happens so we really wanted to focus on those middle school ages those preteen ages where an, a girl identity and a, a child's identity in general is really being formed and we wanted to be able to make the impression of like try coding. It doesn't mean you need to like become a software developer, but like let's just give it a try and have a positive experience because we found that that could really make an impression for them to them later in life, whether it was in high school or college or career path to say, you know, I want to keep doing that. So that's why we focused initially on that, that much tighter age group of, of middle school.
1: Do you think that these girls that are starting younger are staying with it longer than girls that start when they are seniors in high school?
2: That is a great question, and I think it's one of those, you know, we do a lot of, like, pre-post assessments, obviously, to make sure, you know, in terms of our work that things are working, and, you know, we're looking at a much smaller time frame in order to measure that, but I can say at least on a smaller scale of, you know, six months or a year, we really are seeing that, you know, that change in terms of what I would say most typically what we're looking for is a change in identity, as well as, you know, learning outcomes of, of them obviously grasping the skills, But I would say we do see that change in the short term. I do think that it's just a matter of time will tell as far as, you know, what does it look like for a fifth grader today in five to ten years? And and we're gathering that data, but I think the preliminary research and results um, is definitely inspiring and um, makes me very hopeful to say that yes, having those impressions earlier on is going to make a difference. And the other thing that we know is that the lack of that impression, like, if you don't provide, you know, a fifth grader or a sixth grader with, with an introduction to this, if they don't have a parent at home or an older sibling or somebody who's introducing to them, they're really unlikely to choose coding at a later age. So I think we know, we know what the baseline looks like, so we're mm-hmm. hoping that exposure at an earlier age will certainly give them a better shot at being more likely to engage with it later on.
1: Well, I mean, that's great because girls, like you said, drop off at a much faster rate than boys do. If exactly. Interest. So exactly. starting early is great. And to kind of change gears a little bit, um, not just that girls tend to drop out of STEM fields uh, at a much higher rate than men, uh, you're working in a field that's obviously dominated by that. You're in a small percentage. Um, what attracted you to this industry? What got you coding?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's obviously one of those things where um, I feel pretty fortunate that my and I, I I would attribute a lot of it to fortune, good luck, um, in terms of my personal decisions because like I said, you know, as a kid I just always I was I always really aligned with math and like I think that just made me feel like at least it helps build my confidence as far as sort of the broader, you know, STEM disciplines. Um especially sort of quoting. So for me, it was kind of like a one-two punch, you know? So I I kind of feel like for whatever reason, you know, nature versus nurture, I don't know. But I just kind of always tended towards those subjects. I was not great at, like, the creatives. I'm still not. And so, again, that's kind of just like you roll the dice. And and for me, personally, I find a lot. I I just found so much, um, you know, enjoyment and fulfillment in, like, solving these kinds of problems. So, you know, when I was, like, starting off, you know, my career after college, I was like, again, going to stick with things that were very much um, sort of about problem solving. And and that's, you know, what led me to be in, you know, financial analysis and <clears throat> working as a software developer, um, you know, at an equity training desk. Like, those were just the things that kind of were a good fit for me. And, you know, otherwise, it's like the idea that there there were not that many women in the field, like, it was never a deterrent to me. So it wasn't like something I felt like I needed to overcome. It was more just like, it also happened to be true while I was like, well, I'm interested in these things and, and it was just sort of like the circumstances around it. But I, again, I, I feel like and for me personally, like I was sort of fortunate in that I, I gravitated towards these subject areas. And so I just kind of kept going with that um, despite the fact that I knew that it was not, you know, going to be heavily um, sort of populated by other women.
1: What struggles have you had as a female veteran?
2: Yeah, you know, I have to say like imposter syndrome is real. And so for anyone that doesn't know what that is, that is the idea that um pretty pretty traditionally speaking about women's roles as a software developer or as a coder or, you know, fill in the blank engineering role. It's this idea of like imagine being in a room and like, you know, you get the job and you're like you're working on your your tough programming problem but you're like surrounded by all these other engineers and you have this moment of being like, did someone make a mistake? Am I allowed here? Like you start to really doubt yourself, you know? And I will, I would say that is very real for me. Um, I think that was, that's been real for me in a lot of situations. Even now, like, you know, I've shifted from a role where I'm like not writing code so much anymore, but I'm, I'm managing engineers and people who are writing code. And sometimes I'll be like, Oh my goodness, like, why are, do I even have the, you know, the seniority to, to, you know, speak about the stuff. So I think it's kind of this odd, you know, quote-unquote syndrome that's been um, sort of given a, a name in the last couple of years, which is, which is just to say that, like, it's hard stuff, you know? Like, this, like these roles, these technical roles, like can <laughs> be really challenging, and sometimes you just kind of doubt yourself, and I feel like, especially when I'm, you know, one of few women in the room, I definitely start to feel like, wait a minute, do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> and so that's definitely been something that I've needed to, like, coach myself on, you know, to to be able to get over that. So I think that's, that's super real. The other thing that drives that is, like, sometimes people legitimately do doubt you. And whether it's because you're a woman or not, hard to say. But I've definitely been in situations, you know, in previous jobs where there, there's been, like, a pretty clear um communication that um maybe there were doubts about my abilities you know either before they before i got a job or or even during where it it lets you know that like someone's watching you with like a a pretty keen eye and it makes you wonder like am i able to do this work and the answer is like yes of course you are because you've proven yourself but um it makes you know that you're kind of being watched with um you know maybe a a, a, through a finer lens um than perhaps others um you know who've demonstrated the same skills
1: And that's not just in the stem field. I think anything a woman does, she's you
2: know exactly, exactly. I think, think there's a feeling of like higher scrutiny, you know, like and and that's where that imposter syndrome comes from again, because you might you might be doing an awesome job, but you're made to feel like, am I doing you know i'm I'm being tested at this at you are know, you doing enough to set the standards, and so you're like, am I good at it? and it's kind of like. Kind of like messes with your (laughs) your mind. So I think that is super real. Um, And that's just about perception that, like, that's where we all have to make contributions to say, like, no, you're doing it. You're doing an awesome job. Like, keep doing what you're doing.
1: And you also are doing it with um, two other women. Um, so Can you tell us about your co founders, your partners, and how you work together? Absolutely,
2: absolutely. So you have the arts background
1: come together.
2: Totally, totally. So, um, like I said, VidCode was definitely born um, through the merging of multiple multiple people and multiple experiences and backgrounds, um, and I am very fortunate to have um, actually a team of female founders, which is not super rare, especially in terms of tech startups, um, especially in terms of tech startups that are teaching coding. So, there's a lot of sort of meta levels of it that um, I'm, I'm super excited about in terms of having a... Um, representation of a female founding team but but yeah I mean I I started this company with two other uh, with two other women and you know it's it's something that you know, I certain, certainly would not have been able to do without them and I think they wouldn't have been able to do without me and it's one of these things where um, you know we are really have each other's backs and I think like when you're starting something out like in the early days of like I'm building an idea and I'm gonna like bring a, pro- a you know a product to market like, The work is real the struggle is real (laughs) and so like having other people having a co-founder is super super important Um, I definitely talk to some people who are you know solo founders and I'm like girl I wish you the best because it's it's tough it's tough not to have somebody else to bounce things off of so I mean just just like by power of numbers that's been something that's um, been really awesome for us and also like I said earlier we kind of have different backgrounds and so I think like Having you don't want to have like you know necessarily three MBAs or like even three engineers who all know the same skills. It's valuable to have that diversity of skills, and that's very much true for me and my partners because I kind of bring that you know kind of financial background and technology development background, um, and my partners represent you know design and um, and business development, and you know we all wear really different hats, and so it's very much like a yin yang that um that has worked really well for us.
1: Well, yeah, you're able to marry all your skills and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your weaknesses are picked up with their strengths and weaknesses and that like negatives. But there are certain skill sets you don't have that one of them does. And that encapsulates everything and makes it easier, I assume, than it is for somebody who has to wear all of those hats. (laughs)
2: Exactly, exactly. And even though, like, I know when we started, it was kind of like, Melissa, you're the technology person, right? Like, you're going to be the chief technology officer, which I was like, sounds good. But it's almost like from there, you you start to realize all these other things, you know, like how you manage people differently and how you manage projects and time and all these things. And like, I think it's actually been really, um, really awesome to see how all of our skills kind of marry together, and, and how we do represent different points of view, um, which I think has been very much an, um, you know, a, an added value to the company versus us all, you know, having having a similar skill set. That then you don't, you have a gap that that nobody can fill. So um, that's been really nice. Do you find that because even though
1: have coming from different walks of life and having different viewpoints is helpful. Do you ever find like with major decisions that you sometimes butt heads because you see things differently?
2: Definitely. I mean, you know, I, and again, that's kind of the the pro and con of it all. Um, I think for the most part, it's, it's been a positive thing to have different perspectives, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes especially when you're in a startup and you're, you know, you're working on being profitable and like, you don't know how long your runway is like it's a stressful environment. And so, you know, when you're coming down to it, it's just like, honestly, it's like a marriage and like even the best marriages, like you have big problems because you're just dealing with really heavy stuff and that's very Mm -hmm. much how it felt, you know, for me and I'm sure for my, my partners as well in that you're like, you're dealing with, you know, hiring, firing people, like figuring out how, 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 what you need to do to keep your business alive and, you know, when you're, when you're not seeing eye to eye because you come from different perspectives, like those, those can be the challenges, but, um, you know, it's, Again, it's not an easy road um, as far as starting your own thing. So that's kind of just to be expected. I still would absolutely take those diverse perspectives than trying to do it solo any day. Um, so, yeah, you kind of have to weigh it all when you're looking at it.
1: So now you, you made a comment earlier that female-founded companies are not abnormal.
2: Are not. Um, that they're, not that they're, they're, they're not super typical.
1: Oh, okay. So... I misheard you that because oh, yeah
2: I, I was say, I was saying like or I don't I'm not sure I may have misspoke, but definitely like having a female founded team especially three founders is um, okay then no, yes yeah. it's but pretty because serious. I wanted I wanted to bring that up
1: I heard you was saying it actually is more common than you realize and I was like oh that's shocking to me but actually no so it is
2: just fair. as uncommon as you think yes
1: okay so <laughs> then with that said did you have to push through a lot of you know stubbornness coming from the men in the
2: field yeah i mean you know as
1: three women
2: totally i mean you know all all the stats are out there and they're just like all equally abysmal as far as i think something like you know last you know 2017 how much venture capital money was distributed maybe six percent of all of that money went to you know teams with even a single founder don't quote me on that statistic but like whatever it is it is equally depressing to what i just said because it's i mean the numbers just kind of tell it all so you know kind of we kind of know that you know female founded teams whether it's a single female founder or a team of all female founders which is which is the, the situation for vidcode um are desperately behind in terms of fundraising um, and just and just you know, being um, a female-started business that's, you know, able to be successful and, and move on and improve to build a profitable business. So, you know, I think that just, like, knowing that all of that is there can, can just be a deterrent at times and, you know, it can make you feel like, again, like, is there something I'm doing wrong? It makes you kind of question things even though you, you're you doing everything right in your business, but you, you just kind of look around at the state of things um, and it just, it just really bums you out. And so... You know we obviously had to face that um, we have been really fortunate to work with some really really awesome advisors and investors um, who obviously value um, diversity of teams um, and and you know value our business and, and what, what it is that we're building and we've been able um, you know, right. be able to make progress in terms of even the venture capital world um, that you know uh, luckily do you look uh, make things look a bit more promising than those statistics but, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always that concern, again, of, like, are you being vetted differently because you're a female founder? Um, do you need to do more to sort of prove your worth and the worth of your business? Because if you just look at the numbers, clearly we're seeing a bunch of people, you know, walk into a room, maybe, you know, maybe a team of guys with very little entrepreneurial experience, and, you know, getting, the, getting a nice million-dollar check written to them. I mean, that definitely is still real. So I think... Just knowing that it's, um, it's something to uh, to sort of, you know, get past. And, and that's, that's, we're definitely aware of those statistics. And obviously we, we want to be a statistic in terms of proving that wrong. Uh, yeah. so we we'll want be able to do that through our advisorship and, and investors.
1: Do you have a mentor that inspired you to get to where you are that said, I know that there is a very, very strong glass ceiling I need to break, but I want to break it. And I want to do something that very few women are. That someone who... Yeah you to do
2: that yeah you know I will say like the value of mentorship has only like become increasingly clear to me I feel like I feel like I never did have like a true mentor growing up and I and I wish I did because I I feel I feel now more than ever that I need one like Mm -hmm. as and it's one of those things where like mentors need mentors right like everybody needs to be continuing to learn so you know I don't have any particular person like that but I will say that I've had like some really fantastic role models and you know people who have made the impressions on me to really build my confidence, which I think is the thing that's allowed me to take some of these risks, you know, and, and try to enter fields. Um, and you know, honestly, some of those people are people like my mom. You know, she's a programmer. Like that makes it a big difference. Um, it's also people like my dad, like having having parents that support you and believe in you. Like again, pretty cliche, but um, honestly, those kinds of things made made a difference for me. I think in my life. Um, but otherwise, you know, I'm really inspired just by the people who I see around me. And it doesn't have to be like the Marissa Mayers and the Cheryl Sandberg. Um one of my biggest heroes and inspirations like is Lady Gaga. Just gonna put it out there. Because I see her as just like a badass woman who's just like, you know, taking names and doing what she's gonna do. And like those are those are things that like she makes an impression on young girls, she makes an impression on me, you know, and Again, not your sort of. I don't have a one to one mentorship meeting with her, unfortunately. If she's listening to your podcast, um, I'm interested. I've got a number, I'll call her for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think you take inspiration from a lot of places, and for me, it kind of comes from these, obviously, personal references and personal relationships in my life, um, but also just the people who I kind of see and admire in the world doing their thing, you know, being these amazing women who are, um, you know, breaking down barriers. So. They don't have to be just like you to be inspirational. That's exactly, exactly. Do you
1: uh, consider yourself to be a mentor? Are you mentoring girls in STEM or other women in the business world?
2: Totally, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I think has been one of the really magical, um, you know, surprising consequences for me of of VidCode, which is that I actually spend, you know, more time than I ever have before um, working with girls, whether it's through some of our partnerships. Um, You know, we work with the Girl Scouts um, of Greater New York that services like 13,000 girls in New York City. Um, I've had the chance to work with them just in terms of our program delivery um, in a way that's been really, really cool. We do some things also, like you know, that are sort of supplemental to our business, but things that we do that are again part of our mission in terms of outreach to girls, um, like women in tech webinars. Like we'll do things where we do sort of like virtual visits with schools, and and you know, a lot of the time it's just like doing something like this, like jumping on a Skype call and letting them ask questions, and it's really awesome because I feel like um, again, there's so much research that says that role models really, really matter. And I never thought of myself as a role model, but if me, you know, telling girls about my experience for 45 minutes gives them any insight into, like, hey, this is what programmers look like or, like, hey, you can start a business, then, like, I'm down, you know, 100%. So I've been able to um, to do that certainly more than I um, have in the past, and I've really enjoyed it, and um, it's it's something that I think is, is really valuable, even in just, like, little little sprints to just be able to, Again, sort of even just to say like this is what programmers look like, you know, like it's yeah. not all those things that you see when you Google computer programmer. So um yeah. I have been able to do an increasing amount of that uh through my work with because that's been um really rewarding. That's that's awesome.
1: And you know, you say like you work with the the Girl Scouts of New York and these are girls that that you can really inspire and and help want to do these things that are so uncommon for girls to do. But where, how far and wide is is VidCo reaching? I know that you're based in New York and one of your partners is in San Francisco, but where is VidCo really?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, one of the great things about being, um, you know, being an online tool, which is what we are, you know. We're not actually going into schools um, and providing curriculum instruction. What I mentioned with the Girl Scouts is, is one of the things we do with our one of our local partners. Um, but otherwise, we do really, you know, do a lot of, um, you know, distribution of our online, coach, online curriculum and software to schools. And so um, we've actually worked with over 20,000 schools um, nationally, in the last couple of years, um, service about half a million students just through our online resources, and so you know we've been able to have a pretty big impact just in terms of being, um, you know, being a curriculum, being a, like a web resource for people um, that are looking to, uh, to to introduce coding to students. And um, one of the awesome things is that of those half a million students, um, over 50 percent, I think something like 55 percent. Uh, I'll have to check check my uh, um, reports when I get back, but um, are, are female, so we're really excited that you know what we're putting out in the world. Although it's not exclusively for you know for girls, it was built with girls in mind, and obviously that resonates um, yeah. you know with our users, with our teachers in the schools we serve. So um, so yeah, we're pretty proud of that as far as being our kind of impact number, um, as far as the people, the students that we can reach both online um, and through our kind of in-person workshops and programs.
1: Are you looking to have a presence uh, internationally?
2: definitely something we think about you know there's always always questions about growth and expansion and, you know like we're all just trying to take over the world one at a time um, <laughs> but you know I'm also a pretty big, big believer in like incremental goal-setting so I'm I'm, you know we obviously we have a couple um, schools that use you live know, internationally that have found us in Canada in the UK um, but you know it's not our kind of immediate stuff because I think there's a lot of work to be done um, in the US but but definitely yeah. I mean any anywhere I think Literally, anywhere on the planet, um, there's a need for kids to be learning yeah. learning to code, and you know this country is not the only one that has a lack of representation of girls and women in the field, so like they're all ripe, all ripe for partnerships, um, just a matter of one day at a time uh, kind of conquering them So then what is next
1: for VidCode? code? If it's not world domination. <laughs>
2: <laughs> on your plate. Yeah, I mean, world domination, you know, that's like, you know, two to three years, but, you know, yeah. next six to eight months. Um honestly, you know, as I mentioned before, we kind of started in, like, um, a specific um, kind of grade band working in middle school, and we've done a lot to kind of advance our curriculum both to work with younger students, but also students in high school, and so that that definitely continues to be a, a focus for us, um, just being able to, like, expand the reach of, of, of ages and of groups of students that we can work with. Um, you know, we are definitely thinking about um, even just localization and internationalization of our platform, making it accessible to you know students that are are not um, native English English language speakers. Um, we're really passionate about engaging um, you know any students that it started off with girls, but it's really about you know how do you how do you allow a student that's not super well set up to learn coding? Like how do you get to that? And so that is students of color, that's students with learning disabilities, like those are all the kinds of students that we want to make sure, they're traditionally marginalized when it comes to, you know, getting these opportunities and we want to make sure that we're reaching them because Big Code is all about accessibility, you know, for students. And so just being able to really think um, critically about reaching those audiences is is always been a part of our mission and we just want to increasingly do so um, to make sure that we're not really just not missing anyone and, and making sure everyone has an equal opportunity to at least try it, you know, like do a coding lesson and and like maybe you'll fall in love with it and maybe not, but at least you had a chance. Um, so that's very much, you know, kind of what we're thinking about as far as our roadmap over the next, you know, six months and, and year. Well, that's, well, that's, that's fantastic, fantastic amazing, amazing
1: because, because, as you said, a lot of these marginalized groups, don't have access, especially those that are in lower-income schools. Exactly, exactly. They don't have access to any technology, not even really textbooks. So exactly, exactly. Uh, that's fantastic, and um, I love what VidCode is doing.
2: Thank I love you.
1: What, I love what you guys are doing, and to continue, we're starting a new series called Women 101. There are a lot of how tos, you know how to work with millennials that seems to be the thing millennial this millennial that and you know how to work with all different kinds of generations of kind of people but you don't really see it with women and hmm. you're definitely in an industry where men need more experience working with women hmm. and if you've given a few examples like with imposter syndrome of feeling like you're looked at differently and you, you second-guess everything that you do and it really comes down to do the men you're working with understand what you're doing totally what suggestions would you give to men on how to work with women
2: Ooh, oh man loaded question especially in this, in this moment oh there's a lot I could say you know I mean you know I'll start off by saying again I've just been I think I have been fortunate to not be exposed to some of the t- toxic and just most awful culture that we that we know is out there and has been out there for a long time. And so, like, 100% recognition of that. And, you know, I honestly, I think um, obviously something like the Me Too movement is is just doing so much to, you know, at least bring these topics to the surface and to be educating, educating men who didn't know that this was a problem and, you know, so the men that did, like, you know, yeah. putting blame there and, and, and holding people accountable. But, you know, I, I, it's probably a pretty, um, pretty tall ask. But when I think about this, like, I think about, like, if I were a dude, <laughs> what would I do? It's almost like it would be awesome to just even do an exercise in, like, what would it feel like? Right now, to walk into the room, if I were a woman, right? Like, what would that feel like? And and just to like kind of take stock of that, I think that we can all do that. It's something that I try to do all the time in terms of groups that I am not a part of, right? Like, whether it is, um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a woman, but I'm I'm a white woman, right? So it's like, even that that there's a component of uh, there's a there's a perspective that I don't have um, as far as being a, a woman or a person of color. And so I think like just just as much as we can like at least take stock of like think about your perspective and then think about the perspective of others and be conscious of that. Be conscious of it when you walk in the room, be conscious of it when you're having a conversation. Again, I don't have like a how to guide written for this yet. It's something I've thought about, but I do think that like just taking that step in terms of a mental exercise of like, you've been living your whole life as a man and, and just think about what it might be like, you know, if, if just look at the people around you and recognize what it would look like and feel like if, if you were, if if you weren't. And, um, you know, I think it could potentially build compassion and empathy to do that. So, oh, yeah. you know, just maybe it's one small thing, maybe it's a, a huge challenge, but I do think that it's something that, um, beyond beyond, once you recognize that the problem is there, like that's the first step, yeah. and then you start doing something about it. So, um, I think that's certainly one one approach, as, as well as just also remembering like. You know, there's obviously, like, a number of growing initiatives for women in business and, and, and women's protection. Men just need to know that they're also invited to that conversation, right? Like, I think sometimes they feel like they're not. And, like, we're here to say you are. You're invited to the conversation. Like, we want you to be able to, to think about, like, what are ways that, you know, new mothers can feel comfortable in the room. Like, you know, you can contribute Good. to that conversation. And I think feeling invited is is a big part of it and, and just knowing that, like, that, that's a part of the solution. It's not only for women to solve women's problems. Um, so just knowing that they can take initiative is, is just another thing to be cognizant. That's, that's great. And and you're right.
1: I think those with power need to be willing to step up and and be a part of the conversation and be willing to listen. Exactly. So let's get uh, more personal. What's your okay. Favorite, what's your favorite book?
2: Oh, man, that's a tough one. It's a tough or one what's to a book done, that yeah. you gifted? What's a book that you would <laughs> Yes. Anybody that knows me knows that, um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm good at the number. Um, I don't do a whole lot of leisurely reading. It takes me sometimes a year to read a book. Um, I, do, I do read a lot of, a lot of business books, though, um, increasingly so. So there's a couple really cool ones. Um, actually, I have two, and they both have the word radical on the title, which is interesting. Um, one is called Radical Focus. And it's all about, um, it's something that was actually recommended to me by entrepreneurs. But I would recommend it to anybody who's interested in starting their own thing or, you know, doing a startup or, you know, even if you just, like, have an entrepreneurial mind. Because it's all about, like, you know, it's just about goal setting and how you kind of, like, you know, make sure that you're working on the right things. And there's a component of it that's kind of like, um, I think they call it a fable. It's basically like a case study of a company. But there's another part of it that's almost like a workbook. Um, so I like it for that reason. It's really hands-on. It's something I can use. Um, and the other book is called Radical Candor, which is also a biz- kind of a business book, a little bit more for just, you know, leadership building, leadership development. Um, but it's, it's kind of about, like, you know, how you have those hard conversations in work mm-hmm. and, um, the importance of being, you know, both honest and professional, but something that, it's one of the things that, like, we all do when we have professional conversations. Um, and it just kind of helps you think about, you know, how you, you know, the perspective that you bring, um, and, and again, how you're able to, you know, maybe as a leader think about, like, Giving people the hard truth, but also being empathetic, and so you know, really, really kind of one-on-one skills. I think that um, that we all awesome. need, that maybe are sort of underdeveloped for a lot of us, which is just like how to talk to each other. Um, so yeah, those are two that are both a little bit more on the professional spectrum, but um, that I really liked. Great. What's something crazy about you? What's the craziest thing you've done? Oh, the craziest thing I've done. Um, I mean, I think anybody who knows me would probably say it's where I went on my honeymoon, actually. Um, I was just talking to someone the other day, and uh, they were talking about going to Rome or the, um, uh, a multi-coast for their honeymoon. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And they were like, where did you go? And I was like, oh, oh we went to Everest Base Camp. It was awesome. <laughs> so I actually have – to be clear, I did not climb Mount Everest. Um, but I did um I did trek to Mount Everest Base Camp, which is definitely less dangerous, like definitely a higher survival rate. Um, but it was pretty awesome. It was like um a hike that I you know, I, my husband and I did on our honeymoon and it was just uh like a ten day trip and basically got to like eighteen thousand feet and like got that picture of Mount Everest. So, um that was pretty crazy. It was also like um ten days of newlyweds like not having um you know Clean water or, or flushable toilets. So Not that was pretty romantic. Crazy. setting. Really romantic, really romantic. But uh, but it was awesome, and I recommend it to absolutely anybody. Like you, literally feel like you're on top of the world, which you are. So uh, that was pretty awesome.
1: That that and and crazy because I'm yeah, um, crazy. yes. Yeah. I don't even like climbing the top of a ladder. So going anywhere in an air <laughs> mountain. Is, yeah. Yes. Um. Are there any like personal struggles you've had that have
2: set you on this path? That you're currently on. It's a great question. Um, you know, I feel like there's there have definitely been um, there have definitely been those professional struggles. I think that are um, you know coming coming back to like that sort of self doubt that can be built in you. And um, you know, I I mentioned before sometimes it's others imposing something on you and. I've had a couple of those in my life that, that have definitely made an impression on me as far as like knowing that I've had um, bosses doubt me or, you know, um, been made to feel like, uh, you know, I'm not good enough or smart enough for a position. So, um, you know, there's, 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 there's definitely been a couple of those that I think have, have kind of shaped me to um, to sort of work on um you know work on vihood and and kind of make sh- and think you know very intentionally about how I you know create an inviting um, environment for other women but um but yeah i mean i I will say like i um I thank my lucky stars, there haven't been too many of those but uh That's but there's us. some moments where I've been tested um by uh by male superiors <laughs> as far as questioning my abilities um uh, that I, I think have set me on that path, so uh I'll just leave it at that, but yes, yeah, they've been there. What's something that
1: would uh surprise people to know about you?
2: Yeah, um I will say, you know, I think the people like who know me super, super well know this, but I think um, to the exterior world, it would be uh, surprising what my Myers-Briggs is, which is, um, I think it's I-S-T-J. I always forget the later letters, but the I is the important part, which is the I for introvert, Um, because I think people see me as very outgoing and they see me as like, you know being very personable which is nice <laughs> yeah. but you know the truth is like I I really value my individual time my independent time um you know in the spectrum of cat to dog like I'm real real far on that cat end. like I really yeah. like my, my, my time to myself and um, I have a cat so that's a big part of that too but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that would surprise people to know that like I really restore my energy and being alone
0: yeah
2: um and uh, I also love Eminem just saying like the candy or the rapper guys not but like big fan you know i just went to the pink concert and i was like is he going to be here for revenge i hope so <laughs> um you know so early 2000s kid at heart spoiler alert he wasn't there they had like a gigantic inflatable version of him which was disappointing but uh but yeah i was 1999 like oh yeah big real some shady fan. <laughs> so last question
1: if you're putting up a billboard, where would you put it and what would it say?
2: Whew. Oh man. Did you see did you see uh three billboards? Oh yes. or whatever. Yes. I hope it wouldn't be that cryptic. <laughs> yes. But I'm just saying, like, if you only have three like I'm just thinking about what she did with those billboards, I don't think I can possibly do anything <laughs> Um You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'd wanna I'd wanna have a little bit of draft, you know, like I always I always say to kids, you know, when we're talking about yeah. the work we do done in big code, like, you're never gonna get it right the first time. So I would like to have a couple drafts for my billboard. So this will okay. be my this will be my first draft. But my first draft would probably say something like honestly it would be like a do what you love, you know? I mean I think it's really like something about that, like letting people know like don't spend your time. Doing anything other than the thing that gets you fired up because I think we all have that right like we all have that as Kids and as adolescents like we all have something in us that like lights our fire And I remember somebody saying that to me like when I was like 22 like my first job out of college And I was so inspired by it because I was like yeah Makes sense and again I'd want to copy edit it because it sounds like a cliche, but I do think that it's like it drives you and um yeah. I think that's also WeWork billboard, so I actually don't want that one to be mine because I'm pretty sure that's their catchphrase. But just saying, like you don't want to be fair. something in that vein. And then where would I want it? Like if I could have like it just in skywriting, just like forever. I don't know how <laughs> we'd have to work on the technology, but like I just always want it in the sky. That's where I put it. That
1: that could be your new venture.
2: That's that company. Next up, Vidcode. Get ready. Here we come with the elevator pitch.
1: Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. We well, really thank you. appreciate it. Uh, wish all the success to Vidcode. What you're doing is amazing for girls and boys. Uh, I especially that. I giving young girls a chance to learn this. And as the mother of a young girl who's still young, and I think that. At she, she's almost ready to learn how to code but oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: we I, I got some tools for her don't you worry
1: <laughs> it's great knowing that these options for young girls are out there so absolutely thank you for doing this but before we leave um, for our audience how can they get in touch with you if they have more questions
2: oh awesome well I always tell people um, you know when I'm at conferences or that kind of thing I'm like just go on the website and like any button you click like it'll go to me <laughs> So literally, like, VidCode.com, any contact, um, you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter. um, Also, VidCode, V-I-D-C-O-D-E. Those are honestly probably the best ways. I'm not, like, super great about my uh, individual social media. um, but I think I have my own Twitter page. See, I don't even know. That's bad. Um, But, yeah, no, honestly, like, um, I'd love for anybody to, to kind of check it out and know that we also we work with schools but we also work with students at home so like if you are a parent just looking for something for your kids to do at home we absolutely have stuff like that as well so but I'd be more than happy to, to talk um, to talk more about you know again that or, or uh, anything else that's come up today so um, thank you so much Adrian, for having me and uh, it's been awesome talking mm-hmm. to you.
1: And thank you, and uh, to those listening, thank you as well. We will put Melissa's contest information, uh, including the Twitter she may or may not have, uh, on our podcast and magazine for you. Again, thank you. I'm Adrienne Hennard, the managing editor for the Business Magazine for Women. I usually don't do these podcasts, and um, that's it. That's our podcast. Have a
2: good night. Good night. Top of the world. Top.
0: Thanks everybody for tuning in today. The music for our podcast is graciously provided by our very own Wonder Woman, Cheryl B. Englehart. Check out her music and get your free music bundle at cbemusic.com. This is our podcast book today. We hope you liked our conversation with Melissa Halfon. She's a force for good and her startup will change the way we teach children how to code. Huge thank you to our managing editor, Adrienne Hennard for running such a great interview and we hope that she'll do it again very soon. Remember to check out our Wonder Women podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes, and subscribe so that you can get the amazing conversations with women in business, technology, STEM, sports, politics, arts, and culture delivered weekly to your inbox. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to seeing you all next time. This is Wonder Women podcast signing off. Bye for now.